0: Yeah, so welcome back guys. I wanna, I was so impressed, I don't wanna embarrass him, but I was so impressed with Eric who just did a, how many miles did you ride on your mountain bike? 105 105 miles on his mountain bike in Colorado in the thin air and finished this amazing race. It's like only the elitist people in the entire world, so I'm just, I'm bragging about him because I'm his friend and therefore I kinda have the connection, so. (laughs) Great job Eric, thanks for not dying, (laughs) we love you. (laughs) Really good though and um, welcome, like Michael said, if this is your first time, welcome. Uh, It's been a while since we've been able to meet on the beach because it's raining every week so we are so thankful, I mean the sun's hot but the rain is wet so I'm going to go with hot and uh, so it's nice to be out here, it's nice to see you guys and uh, glad that you're here. We're studying the Bible, um, that's what we do here at West Church, and we're going to be in the book of Colossians, and probably finish the book tonight. We uh, we believe in expositional teaching of God's Word, and what that means is we just take the Bible for what it says, and we teach it uh, verse by verse, and go through books of the Bible. And, and uh, we really think that's, we believe the Bible is God's Word, so we think that's the best way to basically deliver, and my job as a pastor, and Michael's as a A worship leader is just to deliver God's word. So that's what we want to do. And also praise the Lord, too, through singing together as we read a couple weeks ago in Colossians. So we're in the book of Colossians. You can turn there or get there on your app or just listen along as I read. And we are in chapter 4. Guys, keep praying with us, too, because it's fun to meet on the beach, and we're going to keep meeting on the beach as long as we possibly can, unless it's pouring rain. Last week, it was like a pre-hurricane rainstorm, so we didn't meet. But as long as we can meet on the beach, we're going to do that. But keep praying for us because we're looking for a building, too, like a permanent place. We want to plant a church in West Bradenton, and so we've been looking around at different places and keep praying for that for us. And uh, we've kind of looked at a few places, and... Haven't really worked out yet, but we know that God has the perfect place for us because we want to be here for the long term and establish something really special, um, built, a, built around relationships, built around the Holy Spirit, and built around God's Word, the Scripture, and to add to the great church community that already exists in Bradenton and Sarasota area. And so we're looking forward to, to getting, getting a place. But here's our place right now, the beach, beautiful. Colossians chapter four. Let's pray one more time. We'll ask for God's blessing on the teaching of His word. Thank you, Lord, so much for uh, the wonderful blessings that You've given to us. We've ca- we count our blessings, Lord. We we know that there's a lot of bad stuff happening in the world. There's a lot of bad stuff happening around us. Some of us may be bad stuff happening in our lives, but we wanna we wanna just give those things to You, Lord, and then focus on the good things that you're doing in our lives. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. And you don't change. You're, you're always faithful. You're always loving. So we're just, we're going to count our blessings tonight. And as we come to your word, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to have ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church as we gather on the beach. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're actually going to start up in verse 2 because verse 1 of chapter 4, I don't know if you you know this, but when the Bible was written, the books of the Bible, you know, some of them were history books, and some of them were, the, the Gospels were the record of the life of Jesus from different um, perspectives. But these, these letters in the New Testament, for example, Colossians, was written by the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul was writing to different churches to deal, first of all, to teach good doctrine or good teaching to them. Because... They only had the Old Testament at the time, so God would reveal through his apostles what basically the New Testament was, the teaching about Jesus and about the church and about how we become Christians and about how we live the Christian life and what life is all about. So these apostles would write to different churches instructing them not only on the the good doctrine or good teaching, but also on individual issues that each church had and each some individual Christians within those churches had. And he would uh, offer encouragement and correction, all being written as inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. So we know the things he was writing to the church of Colossae was the Holy Spirit writing, not just to the church of Colossae, but to the church of, uh, on Holmes Beach and to the church down the road, and to the churches around the world as God's Word. And that's why we have it in Scripture now. So he's writing to the Colossians, and there were a couple things. This is just a little background, then we'll get into our verses, okay? The Colossians were having a couple of, of I don't want to say problems, but they, they were dealing with a few issues. And one of those was that false teachers were coming into the church teaching, okay, false teachers coming into the church teaching false things. Ta-da. That's what the false teachers do. It wasn't just false things because if you're just teaching false things, no one's going to believe you. What they would do is teach some truth and they would mix in a little bit of error. So, In their example, the false teachers would come in and they, were, they, were, um, they would basically teach that Jesus wants to save you, Jesus died for your sins, but the Jesus that they were teaching about was a different Jesus. He was a different guy. They would teach Jesus loves you, Jesus dies for your sins, but you also have to do all these, keeping the law and doing all these things in addition to trusting in Christ. So he was correcting a lot of that. We read through it already, we saw what the gospel was, etc. And then it got practical in chapter 3. Very, very practical. This is how husbands should be to the wife. This is how wives should be to the husband. This is how children should be to their parents. And um, all these things. This is how you should live as a Christian based on what Christ has done for you. And then, so that ended in chapter 4, verse 1. So when the original letter was written, he didn't write it in chapters and verses. When Paul wrote it, actually, he didn't physically, with his hand, write the letters himself. Some of some of the letters he did, but this one he didn't. They, he would actually have a scribe that would dictate what he was writing down. And Sometimes you see those guys saying, Hi, I'm here too, in the scripture. We'll see it in a bit. So... What he was doing was, he didn't write the chapter and verse references. It was all just one letter. And that's why we find it helpful to, as we study through the Bible, to study whole books of the Bible because then you get the whole picture. It's kind of like taking, I, I use this example if someone sends you a love letter. I hope someone has done that for you. If not, it's really great to get, receive a love letter. I, ha, I know because my wife, we've, we just celebrated our 22nd year anniversary last week. So... Hey, in the notes, in the notes, pause for a for a clap. <laughs> I don't have notes, but if I did, it would say, Our, my wife and I's 22nd year anniversary, pause for applause. <laughs> you know how they do. Anyway, okay. So I got, yeah, I got, you get a love letter. Imagine if you got a love letter and you said, okay, turn to love letter, chapter 2, verse 3. And the other day I really was thinking about you and that's the end of the verse. Okay, wasn't that great? That was really encouraging. It really blessed me what that said. So that's okay when you want to kind of, you know, we focus in on verses sometimes, but the bigger picture is where you get the full meaning of what's being said, what's being written from the first very first word to the very last exclamation point, the, the very last uh, X or O, whatever it is, right? And then you get the big picture, and that's why we do go through books. And so each week we take a little bit. But they didn't have chapter and verse. Those were added later to help us as we're studying these letters. And so chapter 4, verse 1 really goes with chapter 3, all that to say. And then in verse 2 of chapter 4, it says, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. I just want to stop at verses 2 to 4 for just a second and point out a couple of things. These verses have a lot of stuff in them. It starts with prayer. He says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it. Okay. We all know prayer is important. I'm not going to sit here and say, you guys, prayer is really important. Because if you did a survey of Christians and you said, is prayer important? You're not going to get, you know, 75% of people say yes, 25% say no. (laughs) Is prayer important? No, it's not really that big of a deal. But to be honest with you, I'm talking from my own life, and this may apply to you too. Sometimes we don't really think that prayer does a whole lot. A lot of times it's kind of like just something we say at the end of a sentence or on Facebook or whatever and say thoughts and prayers or like I'll pray for you and it's kind of a nice way to say I hope you're doing well and that sort of thing so we we believe that prayer is important but when it comes practically we don't really treat it as the Apostle treats it in many places including here as almost really a life-and-death thing he knew his ministry would not be effective if they did not pray for him. He really believed that with prayer, a lot was accomplished. Without prayer, not a lot was accomplished. Can we all agree with that? And, you know, we love to say, you know, God's in charge of everything. God is God is sovereign, and we believe that 100%. But in God's, you know, control and his direction and wisdom and guidance for us, he has said... Here's how I'm going to work in the world. Here's how I'm going to do things that would not otherwise be done. It's through faith and faith expressed through prayer. So if there is no faith and there is no prayer, then there is not going to be the work that God wants to accomplish in the situation that we're dealing with. Let's take the building thing that I talked about at the beginning. I said, please pray for us. I'm not just saying that because it's a nice thing to say and I know Christians should pray and that's that's, and you feel good about hearing, oh, please pray for us. I'm saying that because I believe that through prayer, doors, literal doors will be open to us. And that at the same note, and you may agree or disagree, I don't know. I believe that if we don't pray, those doors That would otherwise be open will not be opened now that doesn't mean that we can pray for anything we want and God has to do it does it it doesn't mean that if you know the Bible says in the book of Revelation that Jesus Christ he closes the door that no one can open and he opens the door that no one can close you understand that so when we pray things that would not otherwise happen will happen because of our prayer but That prayer, this is the important key, must be by faith in accordance with the will of God. So you can pray, maybe you have someone that you have a crush on and you love them and you wish. When I was saying about the love letter, you're like, man, I wish that person would write me a love letter. Even like one word. Even acknowledge that I exist. Maybe there's someone out there for you. But they don't know who you are. You just, you know. So you, you pray and pray. Listen, you could pray from the time you get up to the time you go to bed and even in your dreams you're praying. You're dreaming about them, praying for them. And that prayer, if that's not God's will for your life, that's not going to happen no matter how hard or how much faith you have. Listen, faith isn't some kind of force we use to get God to do what we want. Faith is actually a connection with the will of God. If I tr- Another word for faith is trust. If I trust God, then I look to His will and I trust that's best. So when I pray, this is for me, and I think that it's biblically, a biblical prayer. When I pray, I say, Lord, I pray that we would get this building. This is the one we're praying for right now. Or I pray that, you know, I would be able to move to this place or have this job or that this person would, you know, do this or that, whatever you're praying for. Nevertheless, because I'm patterning this off of a famous prayer in the Bible, (laughs) Prayed by none other than Jesus our Lord. Pause for for dramatic effect. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Isn't that what Jesus prayed? He He submitted to the will of the Father. Listen, God, our Father, knows what's best for us. That thing we're praying for may not be the best thing. So let's keep that in mind, but at the same time, recognizing that we need to continue earnestly and be vigilant in it. And with thanksgiving, he says. And then he says, Praying for us that God would open a door for the Word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I also am in chains. So listen to how he believed in prayer. He said, Guys, I need you to pray for me. He was an apostle. He had preached the Word before. He had done many miracles. But he was actually asking this church to pray for him so that he could continue to do it. How much did he believe in prayer? He said, you guys need to pray for me to do this so that I can present the gospel like I should. He believed in the power of prayer. Okay, verse five, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt that you may know how to answer, how you ought to answer each one." Wow, underline that one, underline. Who's got a pencil? Remember that one. Let your speech... Okay, what's one of the big things that um, we struggle with as Christians? It's our speech. I gave you the answer. It's our speech. The book of James says, there's one part of your body that is the worst. It's your tongue. It's just like uh, you can cause, you can set fires with it. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you have set a fire with your tongue this week? <laughs> we do it. No, we do it. All of us could say, if it wasn't this week, it was the week before. It was this month. We said something we shouldn't have said. We said something. We said someone something about somebody we shouldn't have said. I'm I'm getting convicted right now. Is the pastor supposed to be convicted by his own message? It's happening. <laughs> so we say things and the the things we say are so either encouraging or destructive. Consider what a huge fire a little spark can kindle. The California fires right now. That's I think they caught the per- there was someone I read on the news someone started the fire. We didn't start the fire. <laughs> Peter, that one's for Peter. But that's the point. And that's why he says, guys, if we're Christians, we're praying. We're acting this way, husbands and wives, going back to chapter 3. We're doing all this. But what we need to really be focused on is how we speak. And it's not just what we say with our actual mouths and tongues because they didn't have technology back then. But we can speak with our fingers, our thumbs, keyboards. We We can communicate. And that's even worse. I would say, you guys all know this, but I... I would not say something to you to your face that I would quickly say to you online in a post or whatever. So let's just, it says, let your speech be grace, grace. That word literally means a gift. When you speak about somebody or to somebody, it is grace and life giving, it is a gift. You guys understand this? That builds up. It doesn't mean we have to tell them a bunch of things that aren't true. (laughs) That was an argument the other day. Should I lie to somebody and it'll make them feel good or tell them the truth and they won't like it? (laughs) It was uh, on a text. Just don't reply. Praise the Lord. But if you do, it has to be grace seasoned with salt. What What does salt mean? The Bible says you are the salt of the earth. Salt does a lot of things, but I'm just going to cut it short and say it's a preserving thing. It's a preserving element. We're not whitewashing over the truth because we're trying to be nice or full of grace. But grace comes with truth. The Bible says Jesus was full of grace and truth. And that's how our speech should be too. That when you speak to someone, you do it as a gift to them. And sometimes the truth, even if it hurts, can be a gift to somebody else. It depends on how you say it, though. And I think we all know what we mean. Okay. And he says, redeeming the time, walk in wisdom, all these things. I'm going to, guys, I'm going to read the rest of it. How long have we been going? I told him I'd do. Was it like 15 minutes or something? Doesn't matter. Okay. Too long? (laughs) Tell me the grace season with truth season with salt okay I'm gonna read it because this is just the end these are like the um, at the end of the letter it's like the final greetings like the final uh, you know say hi to this person and that person let's read it verse 7 uh, Tychicus beloved brother faithful minister fellow servant in the Lord will tell you all the news about me Who was Tychicus he was the guy who delivered the letter they didn't have email or the po- post service and all that but this these guys would he would ri- write the letter and he would send it to these places. So he, this guy actually we know from history delivered three letters. He delivered the letter to the Ephesians. He delivered the letter to the Colossians. And he delivered the letter to an individual, Philemon. All right, And this is that's who Tychicus was and they knew him. And he, sa- he said, he's going to tell you about how I'm doing. So the personal information. Verse 8. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will make known to you all the things which are happening here. Who is Onesimus? Does anybody know who Onesimus was? He's in the Bible. I mentioned there was a letter Paul wrote to an individual called Philemon. Philemon actually had a slave named Onesimus. We talked about slaves last week. A little bit different than how we picture. It. I'm not going to get back into it, but Onesimus was part of, you know, Philemon's household in a sense, his bond servant, and he ran away, most likely from theft. He ran away and was arrested and put into the same prison or jail that Paul was in. Paul wrote these from jail. So Onesimus is there having been arrested for being a runaway slave and possibly theft. And Paul is talking to him and basically preaches the gospel to him. Onesimus gets saved in prison and he ends up finding out that he is part of the church at Colossae and used to be um, there with Philemon. so you got to read the book of Philemon later where Paul says, forgive him, be a Christian and forgive. Basically, that's the summary of the book. Onesimus is going now he's sending him back and that's who it is and he's going to tell you how, how it's going Aristarchus that's just a little history I like that stuff so I, I thought I would uh, just share it but anyway verse 10 Aristarchus my fellow prisoner greets you with Mark the cousin of Barnabas about whom you received instructions if he comes to you welcome him in Jesus who is called Justice how would you like your name to be Jesus in that time huh <laughs> hey Jesus oh not him not him not him <laughs> It's justice. Just call me justice. (laughs) These are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proven to be a comfort to me. He's talking about the fact that they were of the the Jewish religion that had converted to Christianity. That's what he was referring to. And verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you. Epaphras was the pastor of the church at at, uh, Colossae. We talked about that in chapter 1. A bondservant of Christ greets you always laboring fervently for you in prayer that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those in Heropolis. Luke, the beloved ph- physician, who's Luke? He wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And Demas greets you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphis and the church that is in his house. Now, when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of Laodiceans and that you will likewise read the epistle from, the La- from Laodicea. Does anybody have your, if you have your Bible, look for the, the letter, the epistle of the Laodiceans. You don't find it, do you? It's not in there. It was actually lost. And so it's, it's unknown. It's a mystery. What was written to the Laodiceans? We don't know. Verse 17, And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. This salutation by my own hand, Paul, remember my chains. Grace be with you all. Amen. So he wrote the end, this this signature, what we would say, is in my own hand because he had actually sight problems. We learned that from the book of Galatians. So he had someone else. He would dictate to that and then he would read it over, sign it. Tychicus, let's go. Onesimus. Back to work and greet everyone there, the, the book of Colossians. Good stuff, right? And next week we're going to start, I think, a gospel, one of the gospels. That's good for the beach. Uh, we'll do the gospel, one that has the most of Jesus on the beach in the boat. We'll get a boat. And Michael can go in the boat. <laughs> All right, let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you so much for the wonderful book of Colossians that is inspired by the Holy Spirit and has impacted so many millions of lives throughout church history for the last 2,000 years. And we thank you so much that you've given us such a precious letter and instructions to us, Lord. And though it was written a lot of personal names in there, Lord, we know that the things in it apply to us, especially that we read about prayer. And we're praying right now, we believe and in faith we're praying and we're trusting you for all that you want to do in our lives and in our church. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name, amen.